Welcome to The Things We Say. I'm Sheldon. And I'm Nate. This is a topical podcast where the topics are chosen at random. Sometimes they will be profound, and sometimes they will be stupid. But no matter what, we have a lot to say about them. We are known for the things we do. We become the things we think. We live the things we believe. These are the things we say. Thanks for joining us again on the things we say. We're glad you're listening again this week. I'm Sheldon. And I'm Nate. We're back at it. Yes, we are. Can I just say, last weekend was a ton of fun for me. What was that? Uh, recording with, with my cousin. Oh, yeah. I greatly enjoyed that. But I, I, I walked away thinking about it, and I realized there were several points where you and Ross had some dialogue, and I just kind of sat back and let it happen. But I thought to myself, it has to be a little weird, because even though you and I are extremely close, Ross and I are extremely close, close with history. Like, we've yeah. known each other our entire lives. And so I, had to, I was thinking about it after the fact, because when we did his podcast, it was just me and him versus the three of us. And I thought there had to be kind of like a little bit of weirdness having to, A, share what is our space with another voice, but not only that, share it with a voice that knows me so well. Am I, am I misreading that? No, no, I? it was, that's true. That's kind of the feeling I had. And I, I feel like it might've been weird for Ross cause he's used to having just like real super candid cam conversation with you. Yeah. Uh, kind of, kind of what I'm used to. Like we're, we're able to just talk about whatever. Right. And it's like a no judgment free zone. And as soon as you introduce a third person into that, it's like, once again, like, how much do I need to censor myself? Where is this right. person coming from? Right. How much does he know about me? And that kind of thing. Right. I, so I was the only Ross person. Ross was super cool. I yeah. was super cool. But I will say when I went, like, I was I was cool with how everything went down. I, I went home and Jess was like, how was it? And I'm like, I think good. <laughs> like, Well, and I realized after the fact that I was the only completely comfortable person because I was entirely in my yeah. element still. Because, again, you're like, we, oh. are, we are us and me and Ross are me and Ross. And so this was just like normal, like my two worlds colliding a little bit. But, yeah, I thought about that some afterwards. I was like, huh. It's one of the things when we bring guests on this show. Sometimes they're mutual friends where both of us know them equally well, like yeah. Jared. I know Nelson a little bit better than you do. But right. It, it was something where the chemistry was there right, a couple right. times he's been on. So right. like we're talking about a subject that we're right. passionate about. Or, right. Yeah. For sure. But yeah. yeah, that one, well, plus not knowing what we were going to talk about at all. We literally sat down and said, go, which is mostly typical, but it's typical of our show. Yeah. But anyway, but to do it with that neutral third party in there was, was, was different, but I enjoyed it. I, that, I, I had a blast. That's our recap from last week. Yeah. Nate had a ton of fun, and and, he, and you should have. It was it was a good weekend, and I'm. It got me listening to Singularity Saints a little more. Yeah, and Ross's podcast. And yes, yes. It's been it's been good hearing him uh, talk through a lot of his thoughts. So. I was really frustrated though because I I meant to ask him about something we used to talk about in high school, which is Emin bread. What is this? Emin bread was he found out a friend of my dad mine's dad was like baked. Often, oh, okay, and they got into a conversation, and he said, "You know, if you can have banana bread or raisin bread, he's like, why can't you have emin bread?" And they said, "Well, what's emin bread?" He said, "Bread with M and M's in it." He's like, M &M. "Seriously, emin bread?" He's like, "I want someone to make it. I want somebody to try it." And I think <laughs> they tried it, and it failed. Uh, I don't remember exactly how, but I don't know. It's just one of those random memories I have of 
Emin bread. Also, believe it or not, and Ross, I'm sorry, but I'm telling on you with this one. <laughs> I will never forget one time at, first of all, I hate karaoke, which is odd because I am a singer. But every time I've done it, I've either A, had time run out and not be able to do it, or I've done it really, really badly. Like forgotten lyrics, like it's out of my element in a weird way. I forget way. lyrics immediately to songs that I know by heart. Yeah. As soon as it's you really put me weird. up. Like singing that song. I think it's because you're looking at the words instead of just like you're you're focusing on that, and it takes yeah. But anyway, but my cousin Ross, who was on here and does the Singularity Saints podcast, very educated seminary thesis writing Ross, one time at a at a youth event, got up in front of teenagers, mind you, when he's probably about a senior, and did Barry Manilow's Copacabana. Straight up, like dancing around and everything, and I will never forget it as long as I live because it was not something I would have ever expected him to do, and he like freaking owned it. And I'm like, you're in front of a bunch of teenagers who a don't know this song, and b if they did, would probably make fun of you for the fact that it's Barry Manilow, but just did it, and it was spectacular. So and, and teens appreciate that kind of yes, thing. Like, yes, they, they appreciate it when you own something, even if right. you suck. Which he didn't suck, but if you suck, if you own it, you can you can yeah. get some you can get some cheering going on. They want you to be good. Yeah, but it was fascinating. Yeah, it was fascinating. Needless to say. Ran, anyway, that's not across, why we're here. But there we are. Ran across something on Twitter this week that was like, <laughs> you guys don't know how hard it was before we had memes and uh, internet jokes. <laughs> like one Billy Madison joke had to last you like five years, oh, yes. and I'm like. That is so much true of people of my generation. Yeah. Like one Adam Sandler movie or one one uh, reference from either Black Sheep or Tommy Boy right, had to right. get you through like right. years. And it had to like it would be the inside joke that your friends would have. Right. Kind of what memes are today. Totally. Like, yeah. Totally. And you know what I think was really the last film to do that before the Internet really took off doing what it's doing? I think Napoleon Dynamite might have been yeah. one of the last but ones that was that. But it's such a polarizing movie. But Napoleon Pe- Dynamite is? Where people just hate it, and some yeah. people love it to yeah. death. And The first and time so, I saw it, I didn't know what I saw. I would say The Office was probably the last one. I guess that's true. But that, that one kind of bridged the gap, though. Yeah. It kind of happened at the same time that the meme thing was happening. Although, I mean, they had... Like, that's what she said. From The Office yeah. is probably the last one of those. Yeah. Well, that isn't like, now after that, it's all like internet memes. Yeah, totally. But, yeah. Totally. Yeah, that's an interesting. It's so funny watching The Office now because it just seems so old. Yeah. Like those, those first few seasons, like the way everybody's dressed and the, I'm just like, my goodness. And, but it is old. Like, it is old. Like, it's it's going to be. It's going to be 20 years old and not that long. Like Are when you it serious? started. It started in 2005. Well, that's when we got married. But I'm just saying. Yeah, we've been married 14 Think years. Think about so it. We're about, we're about to cross into to 2020. It's almost 15 years old. But I'm just saying it's close yeah. enough that you can start thinking in those terms. And I'm just like, holy crap. Like, where did that time go? We were just talking about 
Billy Madison and the wonderful quotes that are in that movie. And this is my favorite quote yes, of all time. He makes an awful answer. He's just making stuff up on the spot. And the and judge, the way they cut it, they give you the impression that he's doing really, really well. he's doing well. really well and he's convincing the audience. Yeah. But the one judge is not having it. And he gets <laughs> up to the microphone and he says, what you've just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. At no point in your rambling, incoherent response <laughs> were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. <laughs> I do love that so much. I do oh love that so goodness. much. Oh, my goodness. I feel like there should be a button that you just get to push that quotes that when certain people open their mouth. I, I won't even go on you to say who. just let them finish. Let them finish, and then like... push the button. It's like the easy button. The closest, and I wasn't even reminded of that until somebody posted it the other day about when Hillary was like, and this is why you can be really glad that Donald Trump is not in charge of the law enforcement of this country. And it's in the debates, and he just whispers into his mic, yeah, because you'd be in jail. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Oh, man. So much. The audacity to say that. What my biggest memory of that is the reaction that it got from the crowd. Because it was a very favorable reaction. Everybody died laughing, no yeah. matter what side yeah. you're on. Yeah, it, that was that was a surprising thing to me because my first thought was, did he really say that? And my second thought was, holy crap, people liked that. Every, well, like it or not, they were laughing. Yeah. But it always makes me think of Ben Shapiro talking about Trump and saying He's basically a stand-up comic who just happened to win win the presidency. He goes and he riffs. Like, that's what he does when he does his campaign, stump speeches and whatever. He's just yeah. a, a comedian that happens to happens to be president. Yeah, oh, man. I've, I've heard other people say that one of the benefits of having him in there is now we don't have to hear all this hand-wringing about the the honor do the office yeah. and all this stuff. And they're like, we don't really need the office of the presidency to be like the office of a king. Right. It could be on even par with Congress, who has a 20-some percent approval rating. Yeah. Or the Supreme Court that no one thinks about. Maybe if we could just yeah. bring it down a couple pegs. And he's like, now everybody's like, yeah, it's that's, just a guy. That's the funniest thing that I always think about when I hear... That'll be coming When I hear up. people from Congress ranting about Trump particularly... All I can think in my head is this guy, yes, is fairly unpopular with a lot of, you know, big demographics, but he still has a better approval rating than Congress. Almost double. Almost double. Oh, well, at least double. So yeah. think about that. Because I think they're below 20%. Think about that. Whatever, whatever you think of the man, which I don't care, whatever you think of his presidency, he has a, a double or more, depending on what polls you're looking at, approval rating in the country over Congress, and he's not a popular president. So think, think about, about some that. of the some of the senators running for the, they immediately become more popular running as a presidential yeah. candidate than they are as being a member of Congress. Right, right. It's <laughs> funny. Yeah, it's an amazing thing. But Jeez. that's not what we're here to talk about no. tonight. We we came we, I went back and forth today. Do we cancel doing the podcast? Do we keep going? Yeah. What do we do? Because I feel kind of mixed up inside. Yeah. I don't and, know exactly. And by how cancel, to feel. he means 
this one, not like cancel the podcast. No, permanently. do we like just give it a week? We've done yeah. that, you know. Yeah, if I was. Something comes up, we give it a week, and yeah, I y'all was, can deal for a bit. But yeah, I was considering the same thing. Actually, we didn't talk about it until just now, but I was considering the same thing. Yeah. Um. Um. You guys may remember a couple episodes ago, we had two teens on. Yeah. Uh, Buddy and Jacob, and and the reason we had them on is because they're hilarious. They're a lot of fun. And, and I, I hope you guys appreciated that episode. It was really good. They talked about, uh, it was Murphy Music and Minecraft, I think is what we <laughs> right. ended up titling it because it was a lot of fun. It and um, and they're, they're just a joy, a joy to be around. They are. And uh, one, one thing that happened this weekend was, was Buddy lost his dad in a, in a tragic accident. Yeah. And that was, that was tough for all of us as a church family yeah, because all of a sudden you realize what the church family is and Mm -hmm. and how when someone in the body of Christ suffers, how it actually hurts all of us in a way I, you know, I haven't seen up close and personal in a little while. Yeah. And, and that was that this was something that just really brought it to the forefront. Yeah. Um, yeah. And and I didn't have a lot of words. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and being on staff, you know, I was, I was involved from the get go of, of all of this going down and, um, and they, and it is, I mean, Bill was super involved in our church. Um, Beth Ann and Buddy are super involved in our church as well. So this wasn't just like, this was, this was close to, this was core people walking through this. And, um, and people that we just love dearly and, and have relationship with. And um, there's just so much, even now, that we're still trying to unpack. And um, obviously them walking through all of this now and moving forward. And, uh, you know, we don't want to necessarily make it about this specifically because um, this is their journey to walk through, and this is not even really something I want to try to justify or qualify. I mean, like you said, there are no words. Like, I, I don't have any words. I'm still processing all yeah. this myself. But it, it's gotten me thinking, watching today, and, and they, they came to church, Buddy and Bethany came to church today, and standing on stage, I intentionally did not look their direction because I knew if I did that I would not be able to continue leading. Um, but I did still see every once in a while, and just seeing them there, hands raised, like actively and defiantly going after it in worship, knowing what they're going through, and, and, and at the same time having no concept of what they're going through, but seeing them still in that place of, you know, us singing songs about God being always good and them just yeah. affirming that in, in a physical sense well, the day after such a tragic thing has happened. If any of you guys watched our live stream uh, on Facebook Live or any of that stuff, you might already know that there are avid listeners to this podcast. Yeah. And that's one of, been one of my conversations with Bill from time to time, he yeah. wasn't a big talker, but yeah. you know when I when I did interact with him from time to time, he would mention that they they listened to us and stuff. So, it he is close to this show. Yeah. He is close to both of us, and and uh, I help lead the youth at church. So, mm-hmm. um, I, I don't know. For me, I the rest of this podcast, we're going to talk a little bit about grief and some of the things that we've. Uh, gone through and dealt with. We're young yet. We haven't had the experience of burying our parents, uh, yeah. although we've watched our parents walk that road. Um, it, we haven't had to bury our siblings or anything like that. I mean, there, people have gone through far more tragedy than I believe we have yeah. had to go through. Sure. I can't speak for you as no, much as for, I can for I, myself, I but I feel like this is something, um, it says that 
Jesus was well acquainted with grief. Yeah. And I don't feel that I that I personally am. Yeah. Um been around it, um, yeah. ministering in, in native communities up north, uh dealing with kids uh within days or weeks of losing friends to suicide, that type of thing. Um I don't know if I've I've said it on this podcast before. Have I described kind of the effect of suicide and how that mm-hmm. works? I think so. But yeah, you, just go ahead. using you can... just using the suicide bomber analogy. Yeah. And uh, one one guy that had been to the scene of a disaster where a suicide bomber had blown themselves up in a cafe in Europe, they were describing the scene, and they're like, the people that were closest were just gone. Yeah. The people that were a little further out were damaged, but you know they made it to a hospital or some people further out, maybe lost hearing for a while or whatever. But he's like, all of a sudden he got the picture. He's like, that is what it's like in a community that suffers from suicide where there's people that are the closest are, are destroyed by it and often have trouble putting the pieces back together. And the further you go out, there's still ripples of, of what happens. And then in communities where that's compounded, over and over in really small, tight communities, that can be really tough. And and so we would we would do uh, work and counseling and even taking the kids to camp and just having you know a good uh, a good week and that type of thing. So I've been around it um, in that sense, uh, and I've watched my parents walk through uh, hard stuff like my mom having to bury her mom way too soon, and and yeah. your dad walk through a similar situation. So I I don't feel that I myself am acquainted with grief in a way that maybe 20, 30 years from now I I might. Yeah, we've we've more had proximity to grief as opposed to being acquainted with it. And and it's interesting using that that analogy that you were just using because I think there's something about, obviously I would include suicide as a tragic loss of a person, but there's yeah. something about even an accidental tragic loss, like, like what's happened with Bill where it kind of has that same effect because, you know, one of the things that I've experienced, you know, when in losing my grandparents, while it was heartbreaking to lose them, there was also this sense of relief for them because their bodies were ran, shutting they down. They ran their, a complete race. Right. They and, and they were at a the stage end. of life where, you know, quality of life wasn't uh, the same and where, where they were, there, there, was, there was an element of suffering there that was happening and they weren't themselves. And, and so there was this, this kind of thing of like, like you kind of had that sense of, okay, like this isn't what I would have wanted. A sense of victory but there was that a sense, they were yeah, overcoming too. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and so, so I think there's an element of that whenever there's a sudden loss that's so unexpected that it has that same effect uh, to some degree. Um, yeah. But... Yeah, um, the biggest thing that, that, that this has got me thinking about, again, and, and, and watching Beth and Buddy, and even, I would say, just our church going through this together, because we are, we're, we're at the beginning of going through this together as a body, and that means different things for different people, um, but just what grief looks like in the church and in the body of Christ versus what it looks like outside of it, because I have actually seen both things, and they are markedly different. Um, I've, I've, I've witnessed people who have lost people with absolutely no hope. Um, even, even some family who have had, uh, tragic losses of, of siblings and, you know, sons, daughters that were 
not walking with Jesus, that were in rebellion and died. And even though they are believers, there's, there's a, an element of despair in those moments. With because the finality of the, the situation. Finality, and, and, and the yeah. best thing that they can cling to is maybe something happened between this point and this point that allowed them to encounter Christ. Right. But it's a very fragile, flimsy, sad hope as opposed to a victorious one. And, um, and that's such a drastic, drastic difference to the point where I've gotten to this place where I look at people who don't believe and I don't know how they survive the loss of anyone because that idea of having no hope, of having no um, absolution at all in these kinds of situations just... I, I don't I don't know how to process that. Like that's so outside the purview of my experience and my worldview and my my yeah. life. And yet and yet a large a large majority of people in the world are are going through life just like that. Right. Like either having their own uh, religion that is not Christianity or to lean on or their own experiences going through life and that have made them strong enough to be able to handle it or yeah. hold up under it. Um, <laughs> getting counseling, getting help. I mean, people do find ways of dealing, picking up and, and moving on. Yeah. Um, but I mean, that's one of the things that we've seen in this generation with like school shootings and stuff. And now we're beginning to recognize we need to bring in crisis counselors as quick as possible. We need to get people the help that they need. But I, there's there's something about when someone who's been living and as a Christian, like your your uh, your grandparents and my my grandma was a worshiping lady, like yeah, all the way through. I I there's no doubt, right? Like she died with hope in her heart that she was going to see Jesus face to face. That was her right. next step. We talked a little bit about that last week. But <laughs> um, just, just that that was, that was, they were fixed their eyes and looking forward for that hope. Yeah. And I think Beth Ann said it best, like they were hoping to be raptured out of here together. <laughs> yeah. And I thought that was a great way of saying it because yeah. I think that would have been my grandma's hope too. Like, you know, but that wasn't how the story was written. Yeah. And, and just, but they still had the same end goal in mind. Right. The goal is to be caught up with Jesus and, and to meet him in the air. Yeah. And as soon as I'm out of this body, I'm with him. That, right. that, that is the hope. And, uh, every, I said it last week, I'll say it again. Every funeral, every time that a Christian passes, we have an enduring hope that says this is another chance for the resurrection story to be told. Yeah. Because we know that the same power that conquered the grave is in each and every one of us. Yeah. And it's, it's, we don't, we mourn differently. Yeah. And it doesn't make, it doesn't make, it doesn't diminish the way other people mourn. Right. I mean, like I said, I, there is some sort of strength that they have inside that must carry them through. For me, uh, that strength always comes from faith. Yeah. Falling back on, on that. And 
people may say it's weak, whatever. Mm. Not for me. It's because I know, I know I have a hope. Right. There's, there's got to be more right. than what's on this rock. Right. The third rock and, from the sun. <laughs> and you know, one of the things that I think in Christian circles that 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 gets put out there that shouldn't, and I think is a misrepresentation, yeah. is this idea that we're not allowed to grieve or not supposed to grieve. That's not that's not what it's supposed to be. Yeah. Grief is 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 not only natural, it's actually good. And I mean that in the sense that God made creation and called it good. I mean, I, th- I, th- I genuinely believe grief is that kind of good. And my dad actually, when he does funerals, talks about how the reason grief is that kind of holy good is because it affirms the fact that every life is valuable. It, right. it agrees with God that lives are worth something and lives matter. Um, and, and shows in a physical and emotional sense that this life mattered. And it, and it comes into alignment with that aspect of who God is and his nature and his, the way that he views people as, as unique, as individuals, as people that matter. And, um, and so I think there, that there's those two sides of it. There's, there's those who can grieve without hope, and the grief will consume them uh, to the point of wasting away themselves. But then there's the, also the other side where someone can be so determined that they, they shouldn't grieve or are not supposed to grieve that it also consumes them yeah. just in a different manner. Um, and so in thinking about grief and thinking about processing and thinking about walking through, like you said, the limited things I've, I've walked through, um, it has been that process of sharing good memories, yes, and, and talking about the hope, but just acknowledging the void. Yeah. Acknowledging the void and, and being okay with mourning acknowledging with the void. those that mourn, crying with those that cry, you know, and finding comfort in one another. That it's sometimes the only way. Yeah. And and people people do say things that I don't think they mean, like the Lord is testing you. Like oh, no, yeah. no, 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 no. Yeah. He, it's the Lord is with you. Yeah. He's mourning with you. Yeah. Like he's as broken up by this as you are. If he does, if he notices when a sparrow falls, yeah, he's got his eye on what's happening there. His yeah. heart is right there with you. It's not, it's not a testing thing. Yeah, He's not trying to see how you're going to perform under the circumstances. No. Right. Right. No. Um, one of the, one of the interesting things to me about grief is you, you mentioned that idea of, of, weeping with those who weep and, and, and mourning with those who mourn. And obviously we're also admonished to, to celebrate and be joyful with those right. who celebrate. Like it's not just a one-sided deal. Right. But I've had some of the most bonding experiences of my life centered around my own grief and somebody being there in that moment. Um, I'll, I'll never forget for my, uh, when my, my mom's dad passed, um, Andy and Emily Miller came to the funeral and it was in, it was in uh, Cuyahoga Falls. It wasn't local. I mean, it's not a far drive, but it still wasn't local. And they showed up and I didn't expect that they, it it never occurred to me that they would show up, but they were there. And that was a bonding experience like that, that bonded me to them and Andy specifically. I mean, I've always known Emily for much longer, but I, I hadn't known Andy that well up to that point, but that bonded me with them in a way that has not faded and won't like that was, that was a moment in time that 
that I would say was a line in the sand as far as our friendship. And I, we would have been close either way. We would have, I mean, yeah. we've been in small groups together. We're, you know, we, he, he volunteers on tech team and different things like that. But that moment sealed something. They do anything special or just come. They were just there. They yeah. were just there, and they and they weren't even you know they they passed through kind of the line and said you know I'm sorry if you lost but they and they just sat in the back of the sanctuary, you know for the funeral but they were there yeah and uh, and and there's something about the people that you don't expect that show up in those moments the people that you're not planning on because you expect you know the the you know like if I if I had something tragic happen in my life I would expect you to be there that right. I, that would that would not surprise or or. I would be surprised if it didn't happen. <laughs> uh, but but there's something there's something instantly bonding about those moments where somebody somebody connects with you in that way and, and is willing to basically say, I'm gonna notice this part of life with you. I'm gonna I'm gonna witness and be a part of this part of life with you, which is not a fun part, which is yeah. way better to just walk away from in terms of ease of 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 emotion, ease of like not dealing with death, not dealing with someone else's grief is the easy thing to do. Do you think that as a culture, we're getting better or worse at dealing with grief? I think, I mean, just off the bat, I think we tend to try and insulate ourselves from as much as we can from these experiences. Yeah. Um, I, I think there's an interestingness because anytime you look at death in, in the world, so... Someone famous dies, movie star, you know, a, a you know, British royalty or ex-British royalty, like in Princess Diana's case or whatever. All, all it is is about that person's life. You hear about how they died, but mm-hmm. all you hear about is let's not talk about death. Let's not talk about any of the, the reflective and existential things about what happens after this. Mm-hmm. What, let's just talk about what we witnessed while they were here. And I don't think that's bad, but I think it's incomplete. And so I think we've gotten good at masking process, masking the process of, of grief by celebrating someone's life. And the, even the phrase passing away is a fairly modern term. Yeah. It's not something that's been used for hundreds of years or anything right. like that. It's been mostly in the 20th century. Right. Yeah. Right. And I would say that probably comes a little bit out of the, the idea of the biblical language of you know, falling asleep you know, in, in Christ. Uh, but again, that was, that was to make a specific point where Paul was saying like, this is not all there is like one day. And as we talked about last week, that idea of resurrection, like our hope is in resurrection. So this is, this is temporary. Even this is temporary. The physical death is temporary. Well, my dad and my wife were just talking about this this evening, how they were talking about people that they've lost. And I, either one of them would be better at this podcast than me because they've, They've dealt with it up close and yeah. personal more than I have. Um, but both of them are just recounting just the small things that you'll see, you know, maybe a vehicle that the person used to drive. Yeah. And you'll be like, oh, that's, ah. Yeah. Or like uh, Jess was just saying, there was a pillowcase that she had got from her grandma's house. Hmm. And it had moved with us. We had lived in Worcester, and then it moved one, two, three, four times till we're in our current house. Um, but it had moved with us and, uh, she never realized that she hadn't unfolded it Mm. and then she unfolded it and it smells exactly Mm -hmm. like her grandma's house and just like smells like that are one of those things you can't shake. Yeah. Um, 
I'll forever remember like n- knowing what my that my pillow smelled like home. Yeah. Like whatever that smell is. Yeah. And there is still one smell that's in my brain. And Dwight, if you're listening to this, it's your parents' house. <laughs> like it was just a place I love to be. Yeah. And it just smelled different because it wasn't my house. Yeah. But I'd get home and my pillowcase still smelled like his place. And I'd be like, this is kind of cool, you know. <laughs> and, and But it, it if uh, today, if I smell that particular set, I don't know where it is, but sometimes I'll catch it. I'll be like, huh. Smells yeah. like Dwight's house. Oh yeah, but like it's just one of those things that just yeah. brings you back, or or you see something that triggers it. And it, your dad described it this morning as like picking at a scab. Yeah, and like the Lord is healing; He's doing His work. But man, we still have scabs in those spots where it still hurts. And yeah. every time you bump it or hit it or something touches it, it can take you right back to those feelings. Um, yeah, my my dad has had to walk through some of that and just... Yeah, the last just, uh, six months. Yeah. I mean, anytime something tragic like this happens, whether it's when someone's taken too early, people ask themselves a lot of questions yeah. too. It's like for those of us that made it, made it through the situation, it's like, okay, why, why am I still here? Why are they gone? Why, you know, how do I move forward from here? And those questions... Yeah. There's not easy answers to them. It's like, well, you have a purpose that's not completed yet. Yep, that doesn't doesn't make this this part yeah hurt any less or or make it easier to deal with. Right. You know? So right, yeah, and you know you talk about those memories and those things, and you know it's it's interesting because neither of my neither of my grandparents, uh, my grandfathers, I'm sorry, well, and obviously my 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 dad's mother as well. But they never got to meet my kids. Yeah. You know, my, my grandpa passed, my grandpa Norris, who was my last grandpa that was living, passed, I think, in 2014? Yeah, 2014. And, uh, and Strong was born the following December, so almost a year. It was I think it was close yeah. to a year later, a little over a year later. And Strong is especially interesting because my, my grandpa Norris especially was he was like your life of the party kind of guy. Like he was, he was the guy who was, I always joke because when we had family reunions, we would literally not know half the people there because if you happened to date somebody in the family once, my grandpa would invite you. Like, really? Yeah. It just didn't matter. Like anybody was family who'd ever been a part of their, their home. And it wasn't, but it wasn't a bad thing. But I remember one, one family reunion, uh, Ross and I were there and we were talking about the fact that we don't know half these people. And so Ross finally went up to grandma and said, grandma, you know, we just realized we don't know half these people. And my grandma looked at Ross and said, ah, neither do I. But that was just my grandpa. Like he never met a stranger, um, genuinely loved everybody. Um, was just was just hilarious. I mean, he was he was so funny. And you see a lot of that coming out in oh, Strong. So much in Strong. And I, and I'll have moments almost daily, where Strong will do something, and I think to myself, Grandpa Norris would have so enjoyed you. Like yeah. he would have so enjoyed interacting with you. And uh, and there's sadness in that, but there's also this sense of. I'm glad I get to be reminded of that on a daily basis. And it wasn't always that way. I mean, when I had some of those milestones where you have those moments where you're like, man, I wish, I wish they were around for this. I wish they were here to see this. Like that is, that is difficult and it's not fun and it's not pleasant. 
But then there are those times, after time, it kind of transitions into these moments of, yeah, I'm glad I get to have that reminder. I'm glad I get to have that that piece of that person. Um, and you haven't, I'm trying to remember if you've, have you lost any grandparents yet? Uh, both. All my grandparents are still alive except my, my one grandma that passed at like 55 years old yeah. from, from cancer. But yeah. Um, yeah, it's been awesome that my kids have got to see my grandparents and interact with them quite a bit, especially yeah. my Stauffer grandparents been really, really cool, really yeah. valued the time that we get to spend with them. They're all the way in Pennsylvania, but we make a trip there at least once, maybe twice a year, <laughs> um, just to get a chance to hang out with them. And they come out this way too. So yeah. just, uh, I, I love it. I love letting them interact with them and yeah. Yeah. My, my grandma's such a very outgoing person. So yeah, she just loves all the grandkids and grandpa does too. He's, he just has a different way of showing yeah. it. Well, and that's one of the things it's that's so really funny because, because my grandma, my last grandma, um, lives with my parents. Yeah. And, uh, and so she, she interacts with the, with the kids almost every weekend. Like they'll go down, they want to go down and see Gigi, want to go see Gigi. And she'll have, you know, the biggest memories I had of my grandma were centered around food and and pop and things. And of course she has suckers and can and candy and cookies and whatnot for them down there. Um, but I, I do love that they get to interact with her. She's much more a shy personality. Um, but she would far rather interact with the little grandkids than with adults. Like that's, that's her thing. Like yeah. she, she loves it. And so it's one of those things where she just turned 90 last weekend. And it's one of those things where in my mind, I'm going, man, I'd love it if you'd, if you could hang on this way for at least another 10 years. So my kids, like, I want my kids to remember her. I don't just want them to, yeah. I don't want to see pictures and just be like, oh yeah, this was your great grandma. Like, I want them to rem remember her. And it was funny because the, the doctor told her at her, you know, her annual checkup that, man, he's like, I wouldn't be surprised if you live to a hundred. he said, nice. you're super And she's like, I don't know if I want to live that long. <laughs> like, she's just, she's just kind of like, eh, great I, sense I, of humor. I don't know. And she is, she's, she's witty, but like, quietly so she's yeah. shyly so but every once in a while she'll just say a little quip or something but but I want and it's it's strange because that's one of the things where I know that relationship would likely be one of the first losses that my children will experience but I want them to have it I want them to have that memory I want yeah. them to have that relationship because it, it's it has value and she has value to them and, and will contribute to their life in a way that even I as their parent won't be able to I think allowing kids like you said you want them to have that experience where where they become attached to someone even if they may lose them like you you know that they they need that relationship regardless yeah. and i think we kind of do a, people a disservice by like insulating them from from that yeah because part of this life is learning is is just going through the process of getting close and then anything that we hold in this life. Yeah. We don't make it out of here with it. Right. You know, and, and any deep relationship is going to have a beginning and there's going to be an end. Yeah. And I think we spend so much time with our movies and with our songs and with our, our culture pointing at the beginning of these relationships. And it's something I've been thinking, yeah. thinking a lot about in regards to wedding. Mm. And, and, uh, I just got my license I'll be getting my license next month. But anyway, it's one of those things where I've been thinking about how would I do a wedding if I got the chance where I had more than just 15 minutes on a beach, right, which right. 
for David's, we literally had 20 minutes and you got to be off this place. <laughs> so like there wasn't much time to say very much of anything, but I've been thinking back uh, to that way we look at weddings. And it's one of the few um, things that we do in life in which you're rewarded at the very beginning. Mm, mm-hmm. You get all the party, you get the awesome dress, you get the rings, you get the car, you get like everything. You get it all right at the beginning. Yeah. Like you're young, you're both super attractive <laughs> to each other. Yeah. There's this wild chemistry and all that. And it's like, wouldn't it be nice to like have that work in reverse? Like yeah. where after like you start out like yeah. getting to know each other, like warts and all. And then, you know, you know, but, but, I'm, but it's one of those things where it's one of those things where we, re- we, we, our culture builds up the beginning of the relationship yeah. so much. And we focus on the beginning of things so much and not how well they finish. Yeah. It's, and, and I'm like, I don't want to be someone that has the perfect wedding and doesn't finish well. Yeah. I want, I want the emphasis to be on how well, um, uh, how well we finish Yeah. and where, where we're at at the end. Right. And I want that to be better than what everyone saw in some big glorious moment right. at the beginning. Right. It has to be better. Well, and I've had those discussions with Kayla now where, where I've, I, we've actually had the conversation like if we... If I now went back and met Kayla then, yeah, would I even want to marry her? <laughs> and vice versa, like like what what has happened and how we've grown together and and I how think the our... only point in time Jess was going to marry me is right when it happened. <laughs> no point before, probably not after. No, I'm just kidding. She, no, but like it... we've but but we were young and we basically grew up together. We figured out life together. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. We don't know what we would be yeah. at 35 without yeah. each other. Yeah. Kayla was young. I was youngish <laughs> when we got married. No. I was, what was I, 28, I think? And she was, she was almost 22. But I do think there's a lot of emphasis in the Christian life, too, of being, of, of it placed on salvation or, yeah. or uh, 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 being filled with the Spirit experience. And mm-hmm. it's like, Oh, this is this is great, and we all celebrate, and we do, and we should. Even the angels in heaven celebrate. Yes, but the finishing, the yeah. finishing well is so huge, and that's what I see in a guy like Bill. I'm like, I look at him, I'm like, man, how well he finished. Yeah, and I'm like, he didn't get long enough. No, and and, and we're like, man, we would have loved to seen where it was going to go from here, but I'm like, man, you got to be proud of that. Yeah. And, like, not, and not only that, but to live a life that at any moment you can finish well. Right. That's the thing that's, is, is yeah. there was, there was, and again, referencing Bill, and again, that's the thing that's on our mind. That's the forefront of our yeah. mind. But like, there was nothing expected. There was nothing. It was just a normal day. Yeah. Like this was not on anybody's radar remotely. And then just like that, it was done. Yeah. And the fact that on a normal day. In an average moment, when everything suddenly changes and that transition happens, to be able to say that somebody finished well, that is something we all need to be aware of and remember. And I think that's one of the biggest things about grieving and that's one of the biggest things about walking through these moments is looking at somebody's life and saying, in an everyday moment, they were able to finish well. Yeah, and that's what 
your dad went straight ahead and preached what he had planned today. Yeah. Talking about Jesus is coming back. Yeah. You know, and, and at any moment when you least expect it. Yeah. And he could, he could come back. It could all be over. Are we, are we going to be able to finish right. well if that was right now? And it's not a fatalistic mentality. No, it's not. It's, it comes from a place of victory, not from a place of defeat. Yeah. And, uh, but yeah, I do. I, I've thought about that all day. I've literally thought about that all day uh, related to this specifically. Um, and I've, I've seen it. I've seen it at every stage for people who love Jesus, who are following Jesus. And they're not perfect people, but they're walking yeah. it out with him consistently. And they have a life that I could point to and say, they're an example of what it looks like to live with Jesus, to follow Jesus, to walk with Jesus. And, uh, and that looks different on different people, and that's okay. But I've seen that same, that same finish in all, almost all stages of life. I've seen it in, right. in people who were extremely young. I've seen it yeah. in people who were, were slowly fading into that. And, and in, again, in situations like this where somebody's just taken suddenly from you. And it's, it's the same victory. It's, it's a strange thing. It really is a strange thing when you try to describe it, um, but it is. Because you want to have that like same enthusiasm for the fantastic finish. Yeah. But it's so hard to do Yeah, because none of us want to be here yeah. talking about anything like this in the past tense, like right. talking about their life in the past tense. You just said it, said it when we sat down. It's so weird to talk about him in the past tense. Yeah. And same thing with, with what uh, we experienced losing a close family friend yeah. earlier this year, where it's like just um, there's like a, a massive hole that you never expected. I, just a, a force of nature person that's just gone. And it's like, wow, wow. I mean, yeah. it's just, well, and, and there's, you, you want to celebrate the great ending and, and use, use that time to, to, to not just say this, this started well, but it ended so yeah. well. And yet none of us wanted it to end. Yeah. And, and that's one of the things that's interesting to me because the one thing I have experienced that, you know, on, on the spectrum of grief, one of the things that was very, very interesting and, and, and something that I'd never experienced before. I don't even want to use the word interesting. It's just the only one that comes to mind because it was, it's very hard to describe, but was was my sister and her husband uh, losing one of their twins when when they're with their first pregnancy, and it was interesting because we knew that this child was not going to survive, like we we knew that because you know and, and of course we prayed and prayed yeah, for healing. Medical and, science and, and has gone far it. enough that we yeah. can tell a lot of these yeah. things earlier. But, but they knew she she had a she had a, a, a disorder called anencephaly, where uh, the 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 top of the head and the brain does not. Uh, develop correctly mm. and um and little gracie lived for i think about 40 45 minutes she did not live long um but having that moment where it's not the same thing where where i wouldn't say looking at that as somebody finishing well but i look at that and i'm like her life still had value when yeah, i think it mattered of, hugely well and when i think of the things that happened in the family and families during that time of, of even having to walk through the reality of knowing we're going to deliver and one of these babies is not going to make it, 
and again, like I said, we prayed and we 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 sought God and we and we asked for healing and we. But this is this is what ended up happening. This is what what the way He chose to work. Mm. And but seeing how her life, her short, just barely blip of a life on the radar of eternity, mattered, mm. and it mattered to the family, and it made an impact, and it's an impact that still. I mean, for crying out loud, when they had their second child, Wesson, one of the first things that came to mind where there were features he had, I'm like, man, that looks like Gracie. Mm. Like, she's a part of our family, even though we only had her for that short time. And part of the story. And part of the story. Um, And so just that idea that regardless of when, regardless of the how, the value is the same. The person's Mm. value is the same, and therefore... I mean, we did. We shed tears over that little girl, and yep. we barely got. We barely knew her, right? But we shed the same kind of tears, and the same, the same, the same grief happened um, in in those hours. And we'll still continue. I think that that's the thing with grief, and I, I meant to mention it earlier. I don't necessarily buy that time heals all wounds, like people say. No, time doesn't. No, and and. The Lord does, and and it can be as fresh and as real tomorrow, eight years from now, ten years from now, in a moment of intensity, you can feel that exact same yeah. thing again, and that's not saying you're not healing, it's not saying you're not in a good place, it's not, it's just, you know, it's a reminder that of someone that was a huge part of our life. Yeah. It's affirmation of value. Absolutely. It's affirmation of value. And to to treat to treat life callously or say, you know, we can you know, somehow replace this person or, or yeah. anything. You can't because that life has value, because right. that person matters, you time isn't gonna necessarily take it away. It's like no. Only if you stuff down your emotions and you cut you, off that part of you that yeah. that they were attached to. You never you never get over losing someone like that. Right. And you never should. Yeah. We're we're not meant to get over something like that. To get over the loss of someone in any respect is to deny their value. Yeah. And we shouldn't. We should never get over that. Uh, you know, I've heard people for years who've who've lost kids or lost a spouse or lost a sibling and just say, I miss them every day. And yeah. it's, and it's true. There's, there's not a day that goes by that I don't think of people I've lost in one respect or another. There's always something to remind you, right. but that's good. That is a good thing. And, and it's part of the process and it's part of that grieving process, part of that affirmation and celebration of, of what life is and what somebody's life specifically, uh, and had, uh, finding, Finding a new normal is hard, but and finding out who you are without that person mm. is hard. Yeah. And and like but one of the things that I've learned over over the years is God, no matter if what's in your past, whether it's sin or rebellion or death or sickness or good things, success, yeah, massive fame or whatever, from the point you are Till the end, the Lord has a plan for you moving forward. There's always a reason to hope. Yeah. Even if you feel like you're at the bottom of despair, 
I talked about this with the teens, uh, to the teens this morning. Just, you know, if you're at the bottom of the social ladder, you've lost all your friends, <laughs> you feel like you've done the one thing that's just not going to, you're never going to overcome it. And there are middle schoolers that feel that. It's like, my life is over. Yeah. I've lost all my friends. You know what? God has a plan from that moment yeah. forward. He has a plan for your tomorrow. Yeah. He has a plan for your five years from now, for you. Yeah. And, and yeah, it's, you will find yourself in, the, in that situation. All of us will, where somebody, we lose somebody, we lose friends, whatever it is. But that plan isn't somehow screwed up by that. Right. If right. whenever you encounter God from there forward, he's, he's got, right. he's got hope. He's got a preferred future. He's got, you know, something in mind for you. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. And that's one of the things I always remind myself and, and I never, I've never said this to anybody who's, who's in the middle of, of, of a fresh grieving process because it's callous in that, in that it can be callous in that moment. But one of the things that I've always reminded my, reminded myself of is God is not surprised by this. A situation, it did not take him by surprise. It wasn't, he's right. not shocked. He's not taken aback by it. He Even was something as trivial as your basement flooding and yeah. you walk down and you're yeah. like, really five inches of water down yeah. here right now. And yeah. it's like, the Lord is not surprised. And there's, and there's comfort in that to me because as you know, and that was one of the things Ross talked about is, is reminded me, you reminded us, you know, that ultimately, regardless of what our theology is, you know, of, of what life is after death, we're safe in the arms of God. That is, that is our ultimate bedrock hope. We know that we're safe in the arms of God, whatever that looks like. Mm -hmm. And, um, and that to me is that same, same kind of comes from the same place. That idea that this is not a surprise. Um, I'm, I'm not one who believes, uh, in the Calvinistic sense that literally everything is sovereignly ordained by God. I believe that life is life, sin is corrupted things, and, and things happen in this life that were never meant to be, but they are because the world is a fallen place. Right. Um, so I don't go into that thing of like, oh, God willed this thing to happen. No, no, because that, that contradicts to me who I know him to be as a God of love and as a God of justice, um, because there is just there is no justice and there is no love in some of these things. And so I just have to look at it and say, I don't understand. And that's okay because I know God's good. And I yeah. know this doesn't surprise him. And I know he, he knew and knows. And again, we always think of that. We, we always have trouble. I think in these circumstances, we look at a situation and we say, why didn't God do this? Why didn't he, if he knew this was going to happen in the future, like we talked about before, this is all, he's outside of all of this. This is all he's seen it the beginning, the end, all of it. And it's there in front of him in real time now happening in a strange, and I know that doesn't, isn't something we can really comprehend, yeah. um, but it's what we believe. And so this idea that, that he knows, he sees it, he's aware, and, and it's not a surprise to him. And so we can cling to him in that. Yeah. I was, I was just thinking back the life of Jesus and the Psalm that says he is a man of sorrows. Mm-hmm. And acquainted with grief. Yeah. And it's like, that wasn't his crucifixion experience. No. It was his life, life experience. experience. Yeah. And like history tells us that he probably lost his dad mm -hmm. 
before he should have. And in and, that and in that era, he probably lost a lot of people. Yeah. I mean, you think about there are a few that they actually individually point to, but I mean, obviously, uh, the you know the death of Lazarus was had a legitimate effect on him. Like it grieved him. Yeah. And uh, and if he can, if he can walk through that kind of thing and demonstrate yeah. that kind of thing, I think it's permission for us to do so as well. Yeah. So, in the end, again, I say grief is good. Grief is necessary. And there's something holy about it. There really is. Um, uh, there's something holy that happens in yeah. that. It, the other attribute of Jesus that I think becomes so real in these situations is that he is the Prince of Peace. And he gives yeah. us a peace that passes all understanding. Yeah. And that's a Bible way of saying a peace that doesn't make sense. Doesn't make sense. And when you sense it and when you feel it, it's not like it makes everything better. Yeah. It it means that he's with us. Yeah. And like the middle of the storm, when things are at their worst, if that is present, you can't be shaken. Right. That peace that doesn't make sense. And that's what marks, that's what makes our mourning and grief process different the yeah. bedrock is different the 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 ground zero of yeah. what happened is just different yeah 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 i don't have many words uh-uh. and we were feeling all mixed up tonight <laughs> yeah we feel like we've told you everybody else's stories <laughs> but again but. it's it's the things that we've had proximity to at this point it's 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 what life has been to this point yeah. for us so again, I think this is one that we'll look back on and we'll probably have updates as this continues and as 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 life sure. moves forward for us, this is probably a subject that we'll revisit based on what our experiences are and what they're going to be. And one of the reasons I do this podcast is I I wanna put down what my thoughts were in that moment yeah. about what we're experiencing. So I thought it was important to sit down and talk about this because yeah. hey, this may be something I pull up years from now and just sit down and hear what here, just listen back to what what we were here in this moment. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so again, you know, I, I don't know where this is hitting some of you guys again, like Sheldon said, you know, this is very real and, you know, right now happening for us. But, um, again, this may be one of those things where, as my dad was saying this morning, this, this may be one of those things that us talking about this has, kind of started scratching in an old wound that's been mostly healed. Um, and our desire is not to stir up painful things, but I think sometimes when things are stirred up, they need to be. Um, so if that's happening with you, just take comfort in yep. the fact that God is good. and He has that, a plan from here forward. Yeah, and that he does. And so I just wanted to read this. I know this has been read a lot, but I just I, I want to read this before. This is kind of one of the things I was thinking about um, and was actually one of the things my dad shared today, which was so timely, uh, all things considered. But, I mean, this series has been planned for weeks. So, mm-hmm. again, that's one of those things where you look at it and you say, okay, God knew this was, this was happening, and, and this moment and this thing was very timely as well. Uh, for what we're what we're all walking through, um, 
but First Thessalonians uh, four thirteen through eighteen, and this is through uh, the New International Version. Um, Brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death, so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. According to the Lord's word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are alive, I'm sorry, who are left until the coming of the Lord will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet, call of God and the dead, I'm sorry, with the trumpet call of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive, alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the air to meet the Lord. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. So for any of you, again, who have walked through grief and walked through this experience, but have that hope of what's to come, have that hope of resurrection, have that hope of being safe in the arms of Jesus, um, remind those around you, those that you love, uh, those who are maybe, maybe experiencing grief along with you or that you are coming alongside of in grief, remind them of that. There are many things that we can say, very few things that we should say in these kind of moments. Yeah. But that is one I think that we can and need to remind ourselves of and need to remind others of. Not in the sense that they shouldn't grieve, not in the sense that they shouldn't mourn the loss, but that in the end, our hope lies with Christ and in the resurrection and in the power of what he has done through the cross and through his victory. Yeah. Thanks for tuning in this week, and uh, we'll be back soon. Yes. Thanks for joining the conversation today. The Things We Say is produced by Nate Ward. Technical direction is provided by Sheldon Stauffer. You can subscribe to The Things We Say on SoundCloud and iTunes. Don't forget to like us on Facebook at The Things We Say Podcast to keep the conversation going. This has been The Things We Say. See you next time.